Good evening, everybody. My name is Martin. I'm an alcoholic. I have not had to take a drink since October the 19th of 1989, and I'm as grateful as I know how to be about that. It is the central fact of my life, being sober. I uh, have a home group, and that is the Buta Big Book Group in Buta, Texas. And uh, we got a speaker meeting on Friday night. We got a big book study on, because we like to study the big book, the Buta at the big book group. Actually, we just like bees, I think. Um, and uh, we study it uh, paragraph by paragraph, and uh, it's it's a great journey. We'd love to have you anytime you're in Texas, because it's not big at all. Just come and see me, right? Uh, uh, I have a sponsor, of course, who has a sponsor, and I sponsor people who sponsor people who sponsor people, and uh, this thing is just amazing. It just, it's just, if you think it's big, it's ten times bigger than you think it is. If you feel love, there's ten times more love than you think there is. If you feel support, there's a hundred times more support than you believe there is. And I want to welcome you all. If you've been here a long time, Mr. 57, 58 years, uh, I want to say thank you. Thank you for staying. I can't be here without you. Um, if you're new here, welcome. Oh, my God, we're so excited. I mean, did you see, were you here last night? Keisha gets up here and reads. She's got about 30 days sober, 45 days sober. Very impressive. Thank you, Keisha. <laughs> Had me all choked up. Um and if you've been away from us for a while and you've come back, I want to say, welcome home. We've missed you. We're so glad you're here. Um, and I love the theme. It works. It really does. And if you didn't believe it after that beautiful countdown of all those years of sobriety, did you see these people over here in this corner having a ball being sober? Thank you. It looks so good on you. Oh, my God. Party with these people, I can tell you right now. <laughs> and they'll cartwheel uh, during my talk, I hope. Um, it's great. So we've had some great speakers already. You know, we, we got to hear, uh, <laughs> we got to hear Doug this after, this morning who talked about how you could just, you could just smell how much he loved AA, loves AA. And he, this wonderful story about over, being overseas in the military and that people in Alcoholics Anonymous wrote him letters and this is how he stayed sober. It's absolutely breathtaking in its power. Um, Sherry was our wonderful Al-Anon speaker this afternoon, and, and she was so transparent and so honest and so touching. It was beautiful. And then last night, Brother Luke, come on, y'all, come on, right? Okay, this guy, when he described his God as being that Kentucky gentleman who doesn't go where he's not invited, who doesn't stay where he isn't wanted. It chokes me up like that. And you know what? I, and, and he talks about being a monk for 47 years. So I really want to thank you all for letting him go first <laughs> and setting the bar, you know, so low for me, right? While he's a monk for 47 years, I fall more into the category of what it talks about in the third tradition of the 12 and 12, where it talks about beggars, tramps, asylum inmates, plane crackpots, fallen women. Uh, I may or may not get to that. You never know. But uh, what, what, a, what a treat he was to get to listen to. So, um, you know... <laughs> I love being sober. I love alcoholics anonymous. Um, anonymous? Really? How sober am I? <laughs> you know when you when you <laughs> when you sit in meetings for a while and you and you've got your new people, you know they're going to be okay when they can say anonymity. <laughs> oh my gosh! You know my job up here tonight is to. Um, Share with you in a general way what I was like, what happened, and what I'm like now. 
And I like to talk about how in my, and, and all of us in our own personal stories, just like it tells us, you know, we'll tell you how we established a relationship with the God of our understanding, each of us in our own way. And, uh, and, and, and so this is my story. And I don't know if you relate or not, but it's my story and I'm sticking to it. Um, and sometimes, like it says in the book, once in a while an alcoholic may tell the truth. <laughs> but I'll start out at the beginning. You know, um, I, 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 my mother was a, a devout Catholic and my father was a rocket scientist. Yes, he actually was. He, um, he worked at NASA. Uh, for 37 years. And so <laughs> how those two ever got together, I don't know. Because he was not only a rocket scientist, he believed uh, that there was a mathematical equation that could explain everything in the universe. And uh, and she, of course, took us to church. And um, not that there's anything wrong with that. Church is a wonderful thing. I am very quick to see where religious people are right. But this is my upbringing. So it was back in the 60s. And I had two older brothers, and it was back in the 60s. And back in those days, being a Catholic, if you missed Mass, that was a sin. And so, my goodness, uh, we didn't. Uh, my father did not go to church. What he would do was stay home and play the piano. And I always would, we would come home, and he'd be playing the piano. You could hear it as you're walking up the driveway. And as soon as we got in, it stopped. And it was always like, oh, no, please keep playing, you know. Um, and so, but, but what my spiritual life consisted of, see, I didn't have a relationship that was personal at all. It was institutional, and frankly, it was scary, you know. And so my spiritual life as a child looked like this. Dear God, please let Mama forget today is Sunday. Right? <laughs> and um, And that prayer was never answered. You know, it's like, huh, what kind of God is this? Um, because I'm the skeptical type. And, uh, you know, and then my- mysteriously we stopped going to church. You know, it was kind of like uh, water comes on and then water went off when I was about 11. And my mother said, we're not going to go to church anymore. I went, cool. Um uh, and that was just that was just the way it went down. I never really got an explanation about that, um, but that's that's just what it looked like. What also began to happen in my family is my oldest brother found his alcoholism, and what I believe today with all my heart, and I know Sherry can back me up on this, that alcoholism is a family illness. And and in the in the late '60s, early '70s, uh, my family had never heard of Alcoholics Anonymous. Now I know it existed. I know it had been around for a good while, but my family had never heard of it. And no one in my family had ever gotten sober. That didn't mean they didn't need to, but they hadn't. And so um, when my brother's alcoholism started to disintegrate my family, which is what alcoholism can do, uh, it, we were just helpless to do anything about it. And as a result, my family did indeed uh, disintegrate. Um, I went on to... to um, uh, go to trade school so I could get out of the house as fast as I could and get a job. And that's what I did. And I, and, and although I had grown up in uh, the Houston area, remember? Hello, Houston. We have a problem. Um, you know, I, I grew up in that whole culture of, of the space culture and astronauts and TV cameras in your front yard and all this kind of stuff. And, and so I, but I, I left there at about 20 and moved to Austin, Texas and uh, <laughs> got a job. And my spiritual life took on a little bit of a different turn at that point. And I said, dear God, I got an idea, which is always dangerous. I said, <laughs> I said, if you let me make enough money where I can drink as much as I want and do all of alcohol's little friends, that would be great. You know? And so that, <laughs> that prayer did get answered. Because... I'll tell you what, and I love to say this, because if you don't pay your income taxes and really kind of skimp on your bills, right, um, you have a lot more walking around money. And I used it to that to the best way I could. So I'll tell you what happens for a girl like me. A girl like me meets a boy like you, right? And I'm going to meet a boy like you every time. 
Because boys that aren't like you don't interest me at all. Where's the challenge? You know, where's the chaos? Where's the rent money coming from, for God's sakes? You know? So I meet a boy like you, and, and you know what I love? I love rapid involvement, right? Oh, yeah. You, you, know, you know they got that old joke that says, you know how you can tell an alcoholic has been on the third date? That U-Haul's in the driveway, right? <laughs> so me and this old boy get together, and of course we do, and, uh, you know, and about six weeks into it, he's the one. Oh, yeah, he's the one. I mean, come on. I thought that was, I thought I was pretty generous waiting six weeks. And, uh, you know, so we're going to get married. Of course we are. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I, and I get with this boy, this old guy, because let's face it, he drank a little bit more than me. Okay. So that means he's not going to be complaining about my drinking. And he can do other things, uh, a little bit more than me. And, He's got a little bit more walking around money than I do. So this is working out. I mean, I don't see the downside. I really don't. And so on paper, this is looking pretty good. And so <laughs> so we get together, of course, and uh, we didn't want our parents to think we were crazy. <laughs> so we put off the wedding for about six months. During that six-month time, mm, because I believe in commitment and true love and things like that. I say to him, hey, you know what we should do? He said, what? I said, we should stop drinking for an entire week. I mean, you know, we need to really demonstrate our love and our level of commitment and that this is real. And doesn't that sound great? Sounds like something off the television, which is where most of my ideas come from, frankly. <laughs> And he looks at me and he goes, what would we do that for? And I was like, you know, because I already knew that a week was an eternity. And I probably wasn't going to make it. I didn't understand anything about powerlessness. I certainly didn't understand anything about unmanageability. I didn't understand anything about alcoholism at all. Right? What I knew is I drank and I drank some more and I drank some more. And I wanted you to drink a little bit more than me and be a little bit more stupid than me so that I could say, I'm the good one. Makes sense, doesn't it? I'm a little bit better than you. I'm basically winning, which is important to a girl like me. Competitive is a major character defect. Um, so I get with this old fella, and, of course, we get married. And what do you think happens to a girl like me when she's with the boy like you and drinking like fish? About 15 minutes later, there you go, of course, you're pregnant. About 15 minutes. Like, wow. Here's a blessed event. <laughs> um. <laughs> the problem with that blessed event is I, what I knew. Now, see, my parents were good people. They worked hard. They did the right thing. They loved me. They taught me well. They taught me right from wrong. They did the very best they could, and it was pretty daggum good, right? And so they had, uh, I had moral and philosophical convictions galore. You better believe I did. And so I knew that when you have a baby in your belly, you're not supposed to drink. You're not supposed to do anything else either, right? But this is, this is where my mind will take me. Because if you give me 6.3 seconds, I can rationalize anything. It's an, it's an art form. It's a blessing and a curse. And what I was able to rationalize was when in the first trimester, most women don't even know they're pregnant. Come on. Right? Sounds good. I'll bite. Second trimester gets a little bit trickier. Let it. People are looking at you funny in your restaurants and stuff. Can't order that margarita. And in that third trimester, what I tell myself is that all this baby is doing is putting on weight. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Now, see, I can think about that today, and it breaks my heart. Right? 
break my own heart. And it says in the promises that we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. And I can stand up here and tell you without equivocation, I regret these things. Now, when Bill Wilson wrote that, Bill Wilson didn't have children. And I know both men and women have children in this room tonight. Right? You boys are right alongside us. You don't get a pass either. And so I have this baby and he comes out all right. He's fine. I don't know why, but he is. And I thank God. But the thing is, his mom and daddy are anything but fine. See, alcoholism is alive and well in our home. Okay? And it looks like this. I'm a skillet thrower. Oh, yes, I am. I got a mean right. Wham! You know? I can throw it through windows. I can throw it through doors. You know? And my oldest brother, who's such a wonderful, uh, dependent human being, <laughs> there'd be smashed glass at our house, and he'd just show up with a pane of glass. He'd put it in, never say a word, you know? Till the next week when he came back with another pane of glass, you know? Um we're we're passing each other and we're having hall sex, you know, where you pass each other and you go, screw you, right? <laughs> uh-huh. And this is passing for a lovely family life. Hey. And, uh, <laughs> you know, um, and of course this is what happens. About a year and a half later, because things are so great, I'm pregnant again. I don't even know how that happened with things the way they were. But enough booze and hey. Um, And so by the time I'm pregnant for the second time, there is no rationalization. There is no, there is, there is, I am so powerless. And no matter what I tell myself every single night and every single morning and every single afternoon, You see, I don't have the power to do anything different. And I'm looking at the, I I can't even look at myself in the mirror because I'm so filled with self-loathing. I'm so absolutely terrified. I'm so absolutely horrified at who and what I have become. And I have no power to stop it. None. Now, miraculously, I have this baby and he's fine too. Mean as a snake, but fine, right? Don't know where he gets it. Shocking. Um, and I gotta tell you, by this time in my house, alcoholism has, has got us by the throat. And my, and my firstborn son is wearing a bucket on his head most of the time because the screaming and the yelling is so horrible and the breaking things is so ridiculous. So out of hand, right? And you know, outside it looks good. Looking good. However, I'm living like a vampire. I'm up all night trying to sleep all day. But you know what? Little children won't let you do that. I'm tired, y'all. I'm tired. Right? I weigh 89 pounds. 89. Oh, I was hot, y'all. Come on. Hot. Wow. You know, I just had circles down to my, you know, mouth. Uh, and... um Wearing black, not as a fashion statement. Um, depressed. All the, all, all the things. And so what I'm doing every single night is I'm saying, is, is I'm trying to say tomorrow's going to be different. Tomorrow I'm going to do the right thing. Tomorrow I'm going to clean my house because I'm living in squalor. You know how it is. And, and I'm gonna clean my house and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of my babies and, 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 and I'm gonna do all the right things. I'm gonna love my husband. I'm gonna be, a, I'm gonna be a good member of society. And by 10 o'clock the next morning, what I thought was happening was I was changing my mind. Right? I didn't understand that the problem centered in my mind and that I'd have an appalling lack of perspective every time I thought you know what, that drink's not a bad idea after all. I deserve it. Have you seen this guy I'm married to? Whatever reason I could come up with. And that's what it looked like for me. Some people have these stories that are just, oh, hilariously funny. My life that had so much potential had shrunk down to my living room. 
It shrunk down to my living room and the liquor store, which my kids called the candy store because they'd get a lollipop every time they'd go. Isn't that precious? You want to go to the candy store, kids? Come on, let's go. You know? Wow. Some kids went to the park. Um, You know, so it says if a mirror code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. I had that. I had that philosophy, that code of morals. But I didn't have the power. Right? I could not manage the decision whether I would drink or not. And yes, every time I took that drink, it was an insane act and an insane, preceded, uh, with a preceding insane thought. Man. My, uh, and I had become completely hopeless that my life could be any different. Now here's how it looks. I had a girlfriend, I had my last girlfriend, who happened to be the wife of my husband's business partner. Because, <laughs> you know, kind of built in friend, right? And so, uh, the good news is she drank like me. And so she and I would drink, we, <laughs> we would sit on her patio, in her, on her lake house, with this incredible view, and talk about how horrible our lives were. Oh, we had it so bad. Can you tell? And um, we'd sit back there, and, and she'd be complaining about her husband. And it was super bad one day. Oh, he was just horrible. He was just horrible. And I had a drink in my hand, a cigarette in the other, and I said, you know what your problem is? Because I diagnose people like that. I said, I think you drink too much. Glug, 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 glug. Nice, right? No arrogance here. None at all. None at all. And so, you know what happens is what (laughs) I am the playground and playmate you have to change. You know? So my friend, next thing I hear is she's gone to some A&A thing. Right? And the rumor is she's not drinking. I'm like, well, done with her. Right? The thing is, she'd already been done with me. See, I was that playmate that she couldn't hang around with anymore. So, um, you know, but I got to this place in my life, and I didn't see her anymore. And she had had a really good relationship with my mother. And my mother had come to me many, many times, and she said, I'm terribly worried about you. You're a mess. What's going on in your life? What's happening? Are you okay? Well, as our mothers do, and our fathers do too. And I'd say, Mama, I'm fine. I'm, I got this. I'm good, but I gotta go. You know? Um, I stopped taking her phone calls. You know how we do. You know how we do. And, uh, and, 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 and one day, out of the clear blue, my life was so incredibly painful for me that I actually fell to my knees. First time in a long, long time. And I said to God, I don't know what to do. You know, when you say a prayer like that, in that state of hopelessness, that state of complete surrender, you better buckle your seatbelt. Because God's sending the cavalry. And He does every time. Every time. That's been my experience. So within about 48 hours of that prayer, we had the living room meeting. Somebody made it, talked about it earlier today. You know, people have letters, they have plans. All you have to do is say yes. And here's how they got me. My mother had called my girlfriend who'd gone to the ANA, right? And she said, I don't know what to do with my daughter. And my girlfriend who had gone to the ANA said, I do. And the reason she knew is because you had taught her. You had taught her. And when she showed up with my mama, 48 hours after that prayer, she had 21 days sober. That's right. So if you think you don't have something to offer people at 21 days sober, 10 days sober, 30 days sober, you couldn't be more wrong. That woman with 21 days sober saved my life. Saved it. No question in my mind. So here's how they got me. They said, darling... 
pack like you're going on a cruise. I'm like, I am so tired. Who needs a vacation more than me? I can't think of a soul. Oh, my God. So <laughs> I, off I go. Okay. And thank God I got to a place where they introduced me to the 12 steps. It cost me $17,000 in 1989 to be introduced to the 12 steps, which you can get for a dollar. Hell, you don't even need a dollar. I'll put a dollar in the basket if you don't have one. Right? But somehow that $17,000 felt legit. I don't know. Uh, but they introduced me to the 12 steps. They also, when I got there, you know, here's the thing. They, when you go to places like this, they want you to go outside. I hadn't been outside in the daytime in years. Right? But remember, I'm competitive. I'm competitive. So there's volleyball. Okay, volleyball, yay. So I get out there and I start playing volleyball. Remember, I weigh 89 pounds. I don't think I ate in the 80s, and I hadn't slept either. You know what I mean? Very little to drink if it didn't have alcohol in it. Um, so I start playing volleyball. Yes, I hit the ball. You know how you do? Bonk. And every time I hit the ball, my arm goes black from bruising. Okay? Now, here's the level of arrogance I walk around with. Today, as well as back then, I look at them where my eyes are, my arms are all black because I'm in liver failure. And I say to them, well, you've clearly overinflated this ball. <laughs> Couldn't be me, right? I wouldn't have a part in any of that. Um, so they had overinflated the ball. Anyway, uh, you know, of course, they gave me the exit plan, and the exit plan was go to AA. $17,000, go to AA. If, if you're in treatment or considering going to treatment, let me save you a whole bunch of money because I know it's a whole lot more than that now. Just go to AA. Let's do it. Not only go to AA, but do what they actually tell you to do in AA. Just a thought. Just just a suggestion. Um, anyway, I get, out, I get out and I go to AA. Imagine that. Huh. I took the direction. You know, it's a kind of a funny thing, which is still funny for me this, to this day. Like, I ask for direction, and I do this with my sponsor today. I ask for her direction. She gives it to me, right? Then I actually take that direction, and I would like her to throw me a parade. <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't. But I fall into this group in Austin, Texas, that is the oldest group in, in Austin. They've been around a long, long time. It's called the Northern Group of Austin, Texas. If you're ever in Austin, Texas, go give them a visit, right? They've been there, they've been there since the early 40s. They've changed locations a few times, but they've been there all along. It is kind of, and it's one of those groups, you probably have one here, that people love to hate. They love to hate. You know why? Because they're coming out of the book. They're wanting you to have service commitments. You know, like, pfft, what's that about? And um, and people are staying sober for like a long time. And, uh, <laughs> you know, people love to complain about it. But when they got a new man or a new gal, where do they take them? They take them to North and You better believe it. And I know you all have a group like that here, too. Maybe several of them. Um, so I get in this group, and i got to tell you, one of the most significant things that happened to me, for me, because because of God's cavalry, was there was an old timer. At the time, I was 28 years old. She was probably my age at the, <laughs> 58. Okay, there you go. Um, and when I'd look across the room at her, she'd look like she was a thousand. Right? But every day she would say to me, "Honey, you come sit by me." Honey. You come sit by me. She saved me a seat every day. So when I walked through those doors, I didn't have to go, where am I supposed to sit? Because that's too much, right? It was too much for me. Mona would say, honey, come sit by me. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful thing. And it wasn't long after that because we still smoked back then. And she says, honey, I want you to have the ashtray commitment. I felt like I had arrived. 
Oh my God, I get to clean out filthy ashtrays. Woohoo! You know, it's the first time though that someone had asked me to do something in a long time. And it meant the world to me. You know? Um, and I clean those ashtrays. I only think I started one fire. It was great. <laughs> you know, but here's what happens for, you know, and I, and, and, and I'm trying to sponsor people, you know, and, it, and it's this kind of sponsorship at the time where you go, sit still so I can help you. <laughs> right? They're like, ah, they run screaming from you. I like to remember that time. <laughs> I like to remember that time like this, right? Because me and Bill Wilson, we're like this, right? His, his first six months, nobody stayed sober either. Huh? 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 Just say. Coincidence? I don't think so. So, um, uh, but, but here's what it looks like. I loved AA. I was on fire with AA. I was doing everything with AA. I was bringing my little babies up there, you know, and, and we were fellowshipping and, and I was trying to sponsor and, you know, going to meetings every day and, and, and all this thing. And, and, and my uh, husband had come into and, and things were great and going good. And, 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 and what I believed was that I owed these children something for what they had endured while I was drinking. And so what I was going to do is make it up to them. And I got real busy. Now, this is my story. So I get real busy. Okay, so the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to become the baseball mom. I'm going to become the soccer mom, PTA mom. I'm going to teach Sunday school. What else you got? I'm doing that too. Okay, whatever it is, right? Okay, and the more I take on over here, the less I'm doing AA. Right now, I don't say, you know, what I'd like to do is all of this over here and, and forget about going to AA. It didn't look like that for me. What happened was I went to six meetings a week. I went to four meetings a week. I went to two meetings a week. I went to one this month. I didn't go pick up my chip this year. And now I'm just I'm just out there, y'all. And, and I, I'm self-helping it. I'm self-willing it. I'm thinking church will treat it. I'm thinking PTA will treat my alcoholism. Only it starts to look like this. Yeah, I'm the baseball mom, all right, but you better put my son on first base or else. We going to talk. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm running the PTA. You better believe it. We're going to have the best dang carnival that's ever happened. All right? And you're going to put my kid in the best classes, you know, because I'm spiritual like that. You bet. You bet. And, of course, the house we're living in, that's not going to do. i got to have a new house, right? And it's just the same thing. See, I never got down to causes and conditions, okay? And so I get the big house on the hill. I'm, 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 I'm running everything. Just ask me. And, uh, <clears throat> and I'm miserable. And the next thing you know, I'm having hall sex one more time. And I can't stand the guy I'm with. Can't stand him, right? He can't stand me either, so it's great. Um, And I got to tell you, uh, what happened to me is what happens to so many people. Life continues to happen whether I'm drunk or sober. It doesn't matter. It takes no prisoners. You can you can face life drunk. You can face life so well. You're probably not going to face life drunk, but it's going to happen. And what happened for me was my mama. She got sick and was dead in 90 days. Right? I didn't have a spiritual life at that time. You know? I was sure I was going to church, but I didn't have a, I didn't have a personal relationship of a God that I relied on. I had a God I talked about. Right? But I didn't rely on Him. I just talked about it. Sounded good. Said a few prayers, blah, 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 blah. Uh, gotta go. There was nothing there on the inside for me. So she gets sick and dies, and, and my response, because I'm spiritual like this, is to get furious, right? To feel one more time filled with self-pity and how I had been abandoned by my creator after all I've done. Do you not see the good works I have been doing? You know, I, you know that line that says, uh, if we stay close to him and perform his works well, all sorts of remarkable things will happen. And Dad Gum and I wanted my remarkable things. Yeah, I wanted that pony, and I wasn't getting it. I wasn't getting it, so I'm like, 
Kick it. Who needs it? Right? Because I'm spiritual like that. That is my spiritual malady in a nutshell. Right? I don't get my way. I quit. Well, come to find out, there's an old boy in this room. God down, you know, there's always an old boy in this room for me. And and I and my spiritual life looked like this at the time. And and this this old fellow had been coming in and out for 19 years. 19 years he'd been trying to get sober. He had about five months. And and he says to me, Oh, uh, well, I know your mom's sick and all. I mean, when she was sick, I know she's sick and all. But have you prayed about it? You know those newcomers. Whatever. <laughs> have you prayed about it? And I looked at him, and in my beautiful eight-year sober way at that time, I looked at him and I said, pray about it. Why don't you pray about it? Right? And he did. The, he said the most beautiful thing to me. I'll never forget it. And he said, okay, I will. What you going to do with that? You're like, okay, then fine. See if I care. Because mm. <laughs> I'm mature like that. So he's going to this quirky little meeting. I hadn't been to a meeting in a long time, but he starts going to this quirky little meeting. Right? And when, since he's going to this quirky little meeting, well, <laughs> I'm going to go to that quirky little meeting because that's how I roll. And, um, and he's, and he's been my good friend for a long time at this point. We've been friends for about five years up to this point. And, uh, uh, and he starts going to this quirky little meeting. And I say it's a quirky little meeting because it's supposed to start at nine o'clock, nine o'clock, usually start about nine eleven, nine twelve, right? Um, I don't think anybody'd seen a big book in there ever, right? Um, uh, they, they talked a lot about their inner child. It was, you know, that kind of stuff and, and, and self-care. And things like that, and I was all for it, and um, and uh, and and I got to tell you, you know, as quirky as that meeting may have been, if I'd have walked into a meeting at Northland where they're talking book and and service commitments and sponsorship and things like that, I don't know if I could have taken it. So God puts me in the right place, whatever that place may be, and He put me in that place, and He put that old boy in that place. Okay, so. Um, I gotta tell you. Um, and, and this is part gets a little funky, and it's not a part that I'm proud of, but it's my story. So there's this old boy, like I say, he's my good, good friend. I'm hating my husband over there. Well, I now I might not tell this story at the Rotary Club or at the church, but I'm an alcoholics anonymous. So between my husband and my new boyfriend, there was some overlap. You know what I'm saying? Not great, admittedly not great, uh, but I think I'm not alone in this room. Am I right? <laughs> and even if I am, that's okay. My dark past has become my greatest asset. Um, you know, uh, so, you know, and, and, I, and I, I don't want to be too flippant about that because people were hurt around that. And, uh, and, and, and I wish I could have done it differently. But see, when you got somebody with five months sober and you got somebody at eight years sober who's engaged in that kind of stuff, I ask you, which one of us was sicker? It was me. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And so, uh, you know, okay, so I prayed on him. All right. That's out of the way. Um, I will tell you this. We've been together 22 years. And, yeah, that's it. He's a great guy. Yes. And he's still sober. And so am I. Um, I don't recommend it, but, you know, it happens. Um, so, uh, but you know what? In this time, that regardless of, of that kind of behavior, my creator continues to send the cavalry. And so here I am in this quirky little meeting, and I have this woman that comes up to me, and i got to tell you, this girl was a mess. You know what I mean? She was, she was a mess. Um, and she comes up to me and she says to me, hey, her husband's dying, all kinds of stuff's going on. And she comes up to me and she says, hey, can you sponsor me? And I say, why? 
Of course I can. Now, you know I don't have a thing to offer anybody. I, I don't have a big book. I don't have a sponsor. I don't have any of those things. But she, but see how God in his infinite wisdom, he sends me her and she saves my life. Right? Because in that moment, I remembered things like I probably should have a big book. There probably are steps involved in this sponsorship relationship. Right? <laughs> you know, um, I'm probably going to need to get a sponsor myself and then actually call her. Right? Because uh, it's a two-step process. Get a sponsor. Use a sponsor. Two steps. Bifurcated. Um, uh, <laughs> does anybody else here have um, sponsees? that um, never call them? Anybody? I got a friend in Texas, they said, and, and he's been sober over 50 years, and they say, well, Willard, um, how many people do you sponsor? And his response is, about half of them. <laughs> so this woman, Katie P., comes up to me, and she asked me to sponsor her. Now, sponsorship at that point looked like sitting on my driveway, chain-smoking cigarettes, right? Talking about the big book. But I could tell you what I did as I started reading that book with a vengeance because I knew that's where the answers lay, right? And I was just staying one page ahead of her, one page ahead of her, one page ahead of her, and, uh, and doing the very best I can. And when two hearts are willing, it's my belief that God's going to show up in an amazing way. Right? And next thing you know, all kinds of people are being put in our lives that can actually show us how to do this. See, you can tell me how to do it, and that's one thing. You've got to show me how to do this. And, uh, and, and, and I've met some amazing people along the way who did exactly that for me. Um, and the next thing you know, I'm on fire. I mean, I'm on fire! I am back in love with Alcoholics Anonymous. I am doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing. And, you know, the, 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 all the things, you know, the things that we talk about in here. And, uh, and, and I'm falling in love with Alcoholics Anonymous again. Thank God. Thank God. And, and, but, but here's how it goes. Now I got this old boy that I'm crazy about. Absolutely crazy about. And crazy. Um, and, 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 you know, and we get in the big house in town, as you do, you know. And things are looking good. We're working. We got, you know, family life is okay, blah, blah, blah. All this kind of thing is going on. But what happens for me is because I do not get down to causes and conditions one more time through the inventory process, I'm having whole sex with this man I'm crazy about. We're standing, only this time it's in the kitchen, we're standing nose to nose, screaming at each other. And I'm, and I know in my heart that this too will disintegrate. Because I can have active alcoholism and that'll disintegrate my family, and I can have untreated alcoholism without ever taking a drink and that will disintegrate my family. See, untreated alcoholism or alcoholism treated or untreated will destroy everything that matters. And I love what it says in the books. It says it engulfs all whose lives touch the sufferers. Right? If I'm not treating my alcoholism, man, are you going to have a hard time living with me? Right? Because I'm going to try to take you out. That's just what I do, right? If I'm in untreated alcoholism, it's going to be awfully hard to have me as an employee. You know why? Because I'm going to try to take you out. Because it tells me that to conclude others were wrong is as far as most of us ever get. And that's what my alcoholism looks like. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're an idiot. You know, you don't know what you're doing. You know, you need to fall off the face of the earth. I'm the only one that's right. Oh, my God. Selfishness and self-centeredness is at the root of my problem. It's, it, was, it, was, it was when I was 7. It was when I was 27, 47, and it is today. It is today. I must constantly watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. That is my job today. Right? And it crops up, let me assure you. You know, I, um, I've talked to people who said, you know, I did the steps 25 years ago. I'm good to go. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you're scary. 
You know, that does, and maybe that does work for you. And if it has, good for you. But it didn't work for me. You know, I got to be in this process all the time. Um, and I'm so glad I am. I'm so glad I am. You know why? Because it works. It really does. It really does. Um, you know, that's the whole thing. It tells me in that book that I can't seem to have a real partnership with another human being. Wow. I'm either struggling to the top of the heap or trying to be at the bottom of it. Right? But I can't ever just come at you one-on-one. Now, once I have a steady practice of the 12 steps on a daily basis, as well, you're not going to like this one, as the 12 traditions. Oh, yeah. Those matter. Um, You know, that's when that begins to happen for me. That's when I can actually feel true love. That's been my experience. Um, so anyway, uh, I, at that point I was given this beautiful prayer. And I still say it to this day all the time. And it was this, please God. This is what my spiritual life looked at, looked like at that point. Please God, give Cecil a new wife and let it be me. I stopped looking at him and I began to look at me. And that's when things began to really change. And I still say that today. Please give my boss a new employee and let it be me. Give my children a new mother and let it be me. Whew. It's powerful, y'all. It's powerful. Um, so what does it look like for me now? You know, about five years ago, uh, I had a heart attack. Yeah. Just a, just a young whippersnapper such as myself had a little heart attack. And you know, because I'm still constantly looking for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear, it starts to look like this. You know, <clears throat> had a little heart attack, okay. What does that make you do? Kind of makes you reevaluate your life. Right? What am I doing? Am I doing all the things? Have I, have I seen the world in the way I want to? Whatever. You know, what, what is my bucket list? What, you know, all this kind of stuff. So here's how it looks for me. I decide. This pesky job I'm going to every day, right? Oh, it's certainly getting in the way of love life's evaluation. So I turn to my husband and I say, you know what? I think I could probably die at my desk tomorrow. So I think I should probably quit my job. (laughs) Makes sense. And he looks at me and he goes like this. So quit. Well, I can't quit. How irresponsible would that be? Can't just quit a job. So don't. Well, but I have very, I have one foot in the grave. Don't you understand? It's easy for you to say you're over there, Mr. Healthy, and I'm over here about to die. So quit. That's financially irresponsible. And this goes on. This goes on for weeks, right? So quit. You know, he just would not take the bait. You know, he was supposed to somehow, I don't know what he was supposed to do, but he clearly wasn't doing it, right? And when I finally got down to the work, right, what I realized is that I, what I wanted him to do was make me not afraid Right? I wanted him to surrender for me. Because he's good at stuff like that. But, but I was barking up the wrong tree. Because it's only my creator that can make me unafraid. That can give me the self-esteem that I require. That can give me that emotional security. That can get me to the place that if he takes me right now, I'm okay. I'm okay. That wasn't an easy one for me, y'all. It might be for you, but it wasn't for me. What I believe today is that I have got to, you know, and I hear this all the time. Well, the longest journey in Alcoholics Anonymous is from your head to your heart. You know, whatever, this 18 inches or something. Do y'all say that here? Because you're looking at me like I'm kind of crazy. Okay. (laughs) Maybe I am. (laughs) Um, So, um Anyway, that's what they like to say. Well, that's the longest journey in Alcoholics Anonymous. And, and, and here's what I believe today. My head is crazy. 
It tells me all sorts of lies. It tells me all sorts of untruths. It makes me afraid. It makes me hate you. It makes me, it, it, it takes me out. It makes me neurotic. It does all kinds of things. Why would I want this to come down to here? Right? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. What I believe today is my heart knows the truth. My heart has always known the truth. Always. Right? That's why when we look in that mirror, we have self-loathing. Because we know the truth. Right? Our hearts do. I need my heart to get up to my head. And the way that happens for me is through prayer and meditation. Right? That 11th step. Oh, my God. And it takes practice. And, you know, I used to think I could pray and meditate for 40 seconds and it'd be good. Right? Get it. Check. Right? And uh, and today I can say that's one of the most important aspects of my life is uh, is prayer and meditation. The 11th step, right? Actually, as they say, it is one of our steps. You have to do it, right? You don't, you don't get to go, well, I'll do all of them but that one, right? Um, so um, I'll... When it talks about more will be revealed... You know, um, I've gotten the opportunity to make some incredible amends in the last five years. Stuff that, um, <laughs> here's a good one. One was 38 years old. I, um, and I have permission to tell this story. So I got this, this friend, sponsee, and she likes to date. Right? She's a beautiful woman. Beautiful woman. And sometimes she gets on these app sites, you know, and, and it doesn't seem to go very well, but she keeps going, right? And so <clears throat> she says, okay, this is the last time I'm doing it. As, you know, that, the alcoholic salute. It's the last time I'm doing anything, whatever it might be. Sugar, dating apps, whatever. Um, so she says, <laughs> all right, the last time. Well, she meets the one. He's great. Okay. And they start, you know, hanging out and dating and all this kind of stuff, and it's, you know, I don't get too excited about it, but after about 60 days, you go, okay, this may be serious. I should pay attention. And so um, she says, hey, you want me to send you a picture of me and him at, you know, doing something? I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. Zip, ding. Oh, my God. Is his name so-and-so? And she says, yes, it is. I says, is his father a minister? And she goes, yes, this is weird. I'm like, oh, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, he was my boyfriend in 1979. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Only not that. I was like, oh, and not only um, was he my boyfriend in 1979, I was horrible. I know you find that shocking. Um, but I was horrible to this poor guy. I mean, just... Just just the tornado roaring through lives is exactly what I was doing. And there he is. Now, I had looked for him, you know, through the years, and I never did find him. But boom, there he is. Hello. Right? Uh, you know, and my prayer would be, God, if you want me to make that amends, I know you'll make it possible. Ding. <laughs> huh. You're good. Oh. Uh, so, so I got to make this amends, you know, and, 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 and beautifully what I believe is that the amends, we always talk about the ninth step, the ninth step, the ninth step. The ninth step is paperwork. It's the eighth step where the freedom comes. It's the eighth step where I become willing to make those amends, right? Where my heart is open. My spirit is, is free. Right now, I just have to go do the paperwork. I have to muster up the courage and do the paperwork. And I was able to do that. And I'm so glad I did. About three weeks after I did that, she broke up with him. (laughs) You know, it's those moments where you go, I don't know what any of this means. And I'd love to make it all about me because that's what I do. Um, But what a beautiful experience that was. Uh, uh, You know, and and. 
And I also got to discover through the inventory process, you know, in the, in the 12 and 12, it talks about, uh, you know, our next job is to have the best possible relationship with everyone we know. Best possible relationship with everyone we know. That doesn't mean we're going out to lunch and going shopping with people. We just have the best possible relationship. And so I began to do, uh, you know, to look at my life and go, can't stand her. I haven't talked to him in a long time. And this was about my sister-in-law and my brother. Right? And we'd been estranged for quite some time. And I'm like, you know what? If I'm a spiritual person practicing spiritual principles... In all of my affairs, this doesn't get to stand for me. For me. This is my story. Right? That I have to do whatever I need to do for the best possible relationship or not. Now, he may not respond. Or he may. Now, here's how it went down. So I get, I do the inventory. I'm excited about it. You better believe I am. And so I'm, you know, I, I talk to my sponsor. We get the eight step going. I've got the list. I've got, I've got my approach. I know what I'm going to say. And they're living in Idaho. And, uh, and, and, and I was a lousy, lousy sister-in-law. And so, uh, I call, I, 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 I call them up and, huh, they don't answer oddly enough. And, uh, and so what do you do? It's the 21st century. What do you do? You reach out on Facebook. Sure you do. Will you be my friend? And so uh my brother says, okay, I'll be your friend. My sister-in-law doesn't answer me. <laughs> and this is how self-centered I am. Literally, my thought process. Well, it must not have gone through. <laughs> I'll try again. Will you be my friend? Crickets. Nothing. Zip. Pupkus. Right? Okay, so they're not taking my calls. They're not responding to me on Facebook. Something tells me they don't want to talk to me, right? Now, I've done my part. I've done my demonstration. I, and I've conversed with my creator and said, I'll do anything you want me to do in this regard, right? Whatever it is. And I was given the direction to stand ready, just stand ready, that if something would have happened tomorrow, that you would go and do it. Absolutely, no problem. Well, you know what happens? The call comes. My sister-in-law calls and says, your brother's collapsed. He's in the hospital. He's had a double pancreatic aneurysm. Yeah, right. We know what that What happens when your pancreas blows out? Why? We know why. From drinking, right? He wasn't diabetic. Uh... So he's in Corpus Christi at this time. Who knew? I didn't. Um, they didn't bother to tell me. And so uh, my, I look at my husband. I go, well, he goes, I can be ready in 20 minutes. And in 20 minutes, we got in the car and we went to Corpus. And when I walked into that hospital room, I took one look at my brother and he took one look at me. And we'd been very close for many years. Uh, and he'd been an ER nurse for 35 years. And I knew that he knew that I knew that he wasn't going to make it. He had a DNR band on and all that kind of stuff. Okay. And so, but but the thing about alcoholism, it doesn't take you right away. Mm-mm. And my sister-in-law was absolutely heroic in her efforts to try to save him. Now, here's where it gets weird. Because, you know. I'm in the hospital room. My brother's in a coma at this point, and my sister-in-law and I are sitting vigil by my brother's bed, and we haven't talked about anything because I come from this line of sponsorship that says you are not going into a hospital room and making amends. You are not going to a birthday party and making amends or a wedding or a bar mitzvah or anything else. You are not going to someone else's event and bringing more of yourself into that event. Not going to happen. Okay, well, here I am in the hospital room. This is starting to get a little... (laughs) You know, something has to be said. I don't know what to do. But I'm, st- I'm, I'm, I'm by the hospital bed and what do you think happens? You know, I'm praying, 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 praying. It's, I swear to God, y'all, and I know in this room you believe me. It's like someone put their hand on my back and shoved me to the floor on my knees in front of my sister-in-law. And I said to her, I cannot tell you how sorry I am for being the sorry sister-in-law for so many years. 
And she looked at me and she said, me too. And we had this, we had this beautiful healing in that moment. Now here's where it gets really good. Cause my brother suffered for weeks. Almost six weeks. Right? And because of what you taught me, you taught me, one of the first things you said to me when I got here was, you don't have any reason to trust me, but I'm asking you to trust me. And I did. And when my sister-in-law was going through, I mean, when I'm talking heroic efforts, there were life flights and medevacs and blood transfusions. I mean, transplant lists, all kinds of things. And there came a time when I got to go to her and say, just what you've taught me. You don't have any reason to trust me, but I'm asking you to trust me. And the time has come to turn him off. And we were able to do that. You know, people die in Alcoholics Anonymous. They do. People die who never make it to Alcoholics Anonymous. But I can be there and I can show up as a demonstration of God's love. And I can do that because that's what you've given me. That's what you've taught me. Everything I know, I learn from you. Everything I know. My daughter, who's fixing to get married in October, turned to me the other day and she said, You know, Mama, everything I've learned about love, I've learned from you. There's no greater gift than that. Right? And the only way I was able to teach her any of that is because you taught it to me. One alcoholic talking to another. One alcoholic talking to another. But you know what? I still find myself absolutely crippled by the bondage of self to this day. And what do I do then? What do I do? You have taught me to pray. I beg for God's help. His mercy. And then what happens every single time is God sends the cavalry. Every single, single time without fail. And what does the cavalry look like? I've talked about it many times tonight. But what does it actually look like? Who's the cavalry? The cavalry's my sponsor. You bet. Man. And she can make me feel like she has nothing better to do all day long than to talk to me and hear my stuff. Man, talk about a gift. One drunk talking to another. That's exactly how this thing works. And the cavalry looks like you. You know what you do? You call me up and you say, can you listen to my stuff? Can you meet me for coffee? Do you want to go for a walk so we can talk? But here's what I do. Whew, you know, I'm busy. Have you seen my calendar? And not only that, I'm tired. I'm really tired. And let me tell you, I've already talked to a couple of people this morning. My God, how many do I have to do in a day? Right? And, 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 and there's a lot, and there's a lot of stuff on Netflix. Have you seen it? I mean, holy moly. Have you seen Outsider? It's incredible. Right? And then what do I do when I start falling back into that? That to me is the deliberate manufacture of misery. Right? When I say no to you. When I say no to God. When I say no to the cavalry. And you know why? Because still the play doesn't suit me. You know why? Sure. I've asked God for help. And he's lovingly sent it. In the form of one of his very own kids that he loves so much. And I go, yeah, but not that one. (laughs) Anybody? Yeah, but not that one. How about this? If I don't make eye contact, they won't ask me. So what do I do? I isolate. Maybe I detach. No offense to the Alanons. I know that's important for you. <laughs> me, not so much. Take some me time. I know it's important for you. Not for me. Never need me time. Never. <laughs> Once I take me time, it starts going. Now I'm crazy. Right? Now I figured out how you've done it wrong. And the sense of his presence gets blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. Mm. Why would I do that? Why do I continue to do that? It's a good question. But see, I have old ideas around God, old ideas that, that, that God's help or, or, or the cavalry or something like that. It's not going to look like you. It's going to look like 
unicorns or pixie dust or or something, you know, like 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 in the Ten Commandments when the seas part or something. It has to be epic and grandiose. You know what I mean? Because I do have a flair for the dramatic. But it's always you. Without fail, it is always you. And when I'm so busy trying to run the show, I don't see that perfecting and enlarging my spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others. I don't see that that's the whole point. I forget that. And that you've been there all along. It's not a shell game with my creator. That, that there's only three options and I have to pick the right one or else. Right? Like, I don't know, there's some, there's some people who are, who remember this. We talked about this the other night at my house. Um, that it's like, let's make a deal. One door is Hawaii. Another door is a new car. And this door is a donkey. <laughs> you chose wrong. You know? It's not like that. No matter what door I pick, God is with me. God is there. God is taking care of me at all times. That's how much I'm loved. It's one drunk talking to another. That's how this thing works. That's how we heal. That's how we grow. Oof. Sorry, I'm out of time. But uh, why wouldn't I want this? Why wouldn't I do this? Why wouldn't I spend my days doing this? It's a beautiful, beautiful life. It's amazing. It, it, I, I could just pinch myself when I look at how, how rich and deep and meaningful my life is. Takes my breath away. After all, I'm here in Bowling Green, Kentucky with all of you. And I was invited. Pretty remarkable. So if you're not working these steps like your life depends on it, because it does, please come and join us and let us show you how. Thank you for having me.